from Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, chapter 15, verses 51 to 58. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labour in the Lord is not in vain. Good morning. Greetings in the name of the living Christ. I'm not really aware this morning, as I'm standing here, that uh, we are doing church in the presence of the living Christ. He is not dead. He is alive and he is here with us. So as we're looking at this topic this morning about freedom from the fear of death, something that's really important for us to know. The one who has conquered death is here. We're beginning a series in um, a number of topics, freedom from, and uh, so Larry has set this uh, series up, and the first topic, freedom from the fear of death. I'm thinking, does Larry know that it's my 60th birthday? And he's thinking, I'll give him death, you know? <laughs> It'd be just like him to do that. <laughs> Turning 60, um, I, there is an increased awareness um, of four deaths, actually. Um, this might be a little bit sort of down tone, but, you know, I'm thinking that the first death is the death of vocation. As you get older, you know, you lose the ability to work. And then the second death is it's a social death uh, where you are forgotten, excluded. Uh, you know, people look past you. They don't ring you up, you know. You go to your emails, nothing there. <laughs> um, and then the third death is, well, it's the order doesn't always happen exactly this way, but you know, the psychological death where the brain starts to fade and you can't think and dementia can set in. And, um, and then the last death, of course, is the physical death and we pass away. And um, all of those things are a bit frightening. Uh, and as we kind of head into older years, you become more aware of it. But, you know, death can come at any time. And we know when people die young, it's particularly tragic. And um, these things are frightening. Today we're thinking about physical death and I want to acknowledge this is a really sensitive topic. And in a group of people like this, I mean, we've all had people we love very much who have died. And me even just talking about this now, uh, it can get a bit difficult. You might find uh, it getting a bit emotional 
particularly if this is something which has happened for you recently. But you know, it doesn't have to be recent. It could be someone that you love very much who died a long time ago, but it's, it's still there. You don't think about it all the time, but when you do, it's hard. So this is not a topic that I approach in a blasé way, you know, but the scripture has some really important things to say to us about death and about the fear of death. And I think we do tend to avoid this topic. It's not kind of the thing that you bring up at a typical party as a conversation piece, is it? You know? uh, but it's important that we think about this. It's important that we talk about it. And in the context of our faith in Christ, who has overcome death. So that's what we're doing this morning. The death of someone close to us uh, intertwines our sense of grief and loss with awareness of our own mortality. You know, it kind of all gets mixed up there, doesn't it? And you go to a funeral and you think, one day, this is going to be my, me. It'll be my funeral. And Jesus was beautifully sensitive to that. Um, at the Last Supper in uh, John uh, 14, you know, he's, he's washed their feet. He's talked to them about the fact that he's going to die. He's the one who's dying. And they're facing grief and loss. But in his sensitivity to them, he knows they're going to be thinking now about their mortality. They're not the ones who are facing the cross. He is. But he knows that they're thinking their friend Jesus is about to die. What does that say about their own mortality? And he says, don't let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If for that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. Isn't that beautiful of Jesus to be so thoughtful for the disciples as he is for us? And that word comes to us. You know, don't let your hearts be troubled. How pervasive is this fear of death? I think that probably the fear of death is the mightiest of our natural instincts and that that would be common to all human beings. That um, when uh, something happens and, we th and uh, it's uh, life-threatening, wow, that, that brings a very strong reaction when it's life-threatening. <coughs> and if you can overcome that fear of death, you have great freedom. Leslie Newbigin says, when the fear of death is overcome, all other fears are in principle overcome with it because it's the big one. If you're not afraid of death, then you're very free. I, um, of course, went to uh, the internet to find out about the fear of death, as you do. Wikipedia has this to say. Humans have fashioned a single basic mechanism through which they deal with existential death anxieties. Denial. That's how we deal with it. <laughs> it's true, isn't it? Yeah. Denial is affected through a wide range of mental mechanisms and physical actions, many of which go unrecognised. While denial can be adaptive in limited use, that is, it, it can be useful, uh, to kind of cope with the situation. Excessive use is more common and is emotionally costly. 
Denial is the root of such diverse actions as breaking rules, violating frames and boundaries, manic celebrations, directing violence against others, attempting to gain extraordinary wealth and power, and more. These pursuits are often activated by a death-related trauma, and while they may lead to constructive actions, more often than not, they lead to actions that are damaging to self and others. I think it is pretty much psychologically accepted that this is a universal anxiety that human beings have. We are afraid of death. Dylan Thomas in uh, 1947 wrote that uh, poem, Do not go gently into that good night. Do not go gently into that good night. Rage, rage against the dying of the light. And there's this sense of, you know, no, no, we, we must resist this. And yet... Some people choose assisted suicide. How does that figure? I wonder whether assisted suicide is a way of dealing with the fear of death by grabbing some measure of control. Because to be out of control at your death is possibly the most frightening thing of all. And if you can at least choose the timing and the manner, maybe that ameliorates it somehow. I don't know. We Christians have a great comfort in the face of death. And yet, um, Shane Claiborne, who is one of the editors of the daily devotional that I use, he says, most of us Christians live in such fear of death, it's as if no one believes in the resurrection anymore. In Hebrews chapter two, uh, verses uh, four, uh, 14 and 15, it says this, since the children have flesh and blood, he too, that is Jesus, shared in their humanity so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is, the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. It's a really crucial thing, well I've come to see that that passage is really crucial for understanding what goes on with this fear of death which we share as human beings and uh, I've, I've really been helped by a book uh, by Richard Beck he's um, uh, the professor of psychology at the Churches of Christ University in Abilene in Texas uh, he's got some great um, things that he's written, but he's written one called The Slavery of Death, and he really deals from a psychological and Christian point of view, how do we uh, grapple with this whole thing of death? And he, he says um, about this, uh, he who does not fear death is outside the tyranny of the devil. The typical Protestant for formulation is that sin causes death, and that's true. We see that in, Genera in Genesis 3, the sin, it leads to death. And... Um, Actually, Jenny quoted it just earlier on in Romans. The wages of sin is death. And so it does work that way. Uh, our, our sinful um, turning away from God and rejecting his uh, kind lordship over us leads to death. But it's not one-way traffic because death also leads to sin. Or more specifically, the fear of death leads to sin 
it's, it's a cycle. It's a vicious cycle. We sin, it leads to death, and then the fear of death leads us back to sin. This is how it works, and this is what Richard Beck is talking about. Um, let me just read that bit from Hebrews again, just so that you understand the context of this. Since the children have flesh and blood, we are you know, human, mortal, he too, Jesus, shared in their humanity so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. We're held in slavery by our fear of death because we do whatever we can to put off, to deny, to somehow cope with this thing which we know is coming but we don't want to think about it. The idea is that we're held in slavery by our fear of death. Fearing death, we act in various ways that are prompted by needs for self-preservation. Life is ruled by what some people call a, a Darwinian survival instinct that makes us selfish, acquisitive, rivalrous and violent. Mortality fears create our sinful actions and attitudes. We try to avoid some reminders of death, but we still know it's coming. So what do we do? We, we seek to um, make a mark in the world, make a difference, to somehow um, extend our impact beyond our life. This natural impulse towards self-preservation creates a moral bias within our hearts, Richard Beck says, and, and within our hearts and our minds, so that our focus is instinctively directed towards ourselves rather than towards others. So in order to love, as we are called to do, as, as followers of Jesus, we're called to love. We have to more regularly be saying no to self and yes to others. And the problem here, Beck says, is that this switch is particularly hard to make when we are anxious and fearful. And we are anxious and fearful about death, so it's really hard to be letting go of our own self-preservation needs and putting ourselves out for others. So given that situation, the work of Christ is to break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil. The reason that Jesus came was to destroy the works of the devil. He's got us trapped because we're afraid of death and that leads us to sin and then sin leads to death and around we go and we're caught. So what does Jesus do? He breaks the power of this trap. And he overcomes death. He overcomes sin too. He defeats sin and death by the cross and the resurrection. So salvation in this view is obtained through Christ's defeat of the devil who uses death to hold us captive to sin. He uses our instinct for self-preservation to tempt us into sinful practices. But Christ came to destroy both the devil and death to free us from our slavery to the fear of death. And being set free from this fear, we're able to escape the bondage of sin. That's the meaning of the resurrection. All of that's a little bit impenetrable, I think, with the first time. I mean, first time I read this, I, I struggled with it a little bit. But just get this, what it's about is that our fear of death is not only something that we need to receive comfort for, but we need to understand this is an inner driver that leads us towards things that are sinful. 
We've got to come to Jesus and have this fear of death sorted out so that we can be at peace about that, not anxious about that, and able to follow his way of love for others. Billy Graham died earlier this year. Great man of God. Uh, Didn't quite make 100. Uh, He would have uh, turned 100 this month. He noted that many people try to avoid the inescapable reality of death by playing word games, like calling a cemetery or a memorial park. (laughs) Poked fun at that. Um, But he was very direct about death. He said, first, accept the fact that you will die. Second, make arrangements. (laughs) Third, make provision for those you are leaving behind. And fourth, make an appointment with God. (laughs) It's good, isn't it? Accept the fact that you will die. Make the necessary arrangements. Make provision for those you'll leave behind. And make an appointment with God. Because here's the thing. There's the certainty that the scripture tells us it's appointed to human beings once to die. And then there's the judgment. What happens when we die, and we will, is that there's a separation of body and soul. The body dies, but the soul does not. The soul will have an appointment with God. We will come into God's presence where everything is open and there is judgment. There is discernment. And it's accurate, it's gracious, but it is true. Billy Graham paraphrased D.L. Moody in one of his sermons and he said, one day you will read or hear that Billy Graham is dead. Don't you believe a word of it. (laughs) I shall be more alive than I am now. I will have just changed my address. I will have gone into the presence of God. What a great affirmation. And you know, if you trust Jesus, this is true of you too. I had a, last year when my mum died, it was a a wonderful um, opportunity to see how a saint dies. Uh, She said to me often in the last years of her life, Rick, it's no fun getting old. It's just no fun getting old. Her body was failing. Her mind was very sharp right up until about the last fortnight, I'd say. She was sharp as can be. There was this inner spark of her soul was very brilliant and alive, but her body was completely fading and failing away. Um, And and she used to say, I just want to go home now. I'm ready. I want to go and be with Jesus. Uh, After her funeral, I found um, a poem. I wish I could have used it in her eulogy, but I'll I'll tell you it now because I think it describes her well. Our old age is the scorching of the bush by life's indwelling incorruptible blaze. Oh, life, burn at this feeble shell of me till I, the sore singed garment, shall off push, flap out my psyche wings and to thee rush. Isn't that beautiful? (laughs) 
Death cannot separate us from the love of God. Romans 8 assures us of this. Nothing in all of creation can separate us from the love of God. Be at peace, friends. You do not need to fear death because our Lord Jesus has overcome death. He's broken the trap. So in 1 Corinthians, death, where is your victory? Where is your sting? The sting of death is sin. That is, you know, because we fear death, we go into sin and that hurts us. That's the sting of, of this, this fear of death. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. There's a, um, a lovely uh, doxology. You, uh, you might have sung it sometimes. Right at the end of Jude. This is a great um, thing I want to leave you with. To him who is able to keep you from stumbling. <laughs> to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. To the only God, our Saviour, be glory, majesty, power and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages, now and forever. Amen.